Stop. Commercial time. Hey, friends. So do y'all remember how we decided together that 2022 would be our year? Our year to be selfish? The year that we start finally taking the steps necessary to get our financial lives together. Y'all remember that? Well, I decided to get my financial life together by opening up my first investment account and investing in the stock market. Now, all I have to do is actually learn how to invest. (laughs) And I hope you'll join me. My good friend and season one guest, top 100 financial advisor and founder of Building Bread, Kevin Matthews has put together an easy to understand, easy to follow set of resources for newbie investors just like us called the Investor's Toolkit. The Investor's Toolkit is a seven module course designed to guide us step by step through our stock market investing journey. We need this, friends. Well, if you're ready to stop talking about it and be about it, click the link in my show notes to access the Building Bread Investor's Toolkit. And if you use the link in the notes, you'll also get a special sugar-free discount. Y'all know I'm going to take care of you, friends, right? Good. Now back to the show. But I need that second page, Charnay. Uh -uh. That's another thing. When you acquire so much experience, you think you do. You think you need to put every single thing on your resume. You don't. We just need, we just need a little bit, but we need the right stuff. And now you're listening to the Sugar Free Podcast. Welcome to the tea party, friends. Now tell me, girl, how you like your tea. You know it's sugar free. How you like your tea? Up in here, we like it sugar free. Come through, stop by, get up with me. With your girl sitting back, I'm a little crazy. Ooh, right here with me. It's where you wanna be. Wanna be. Let's get it sugar free. Yeah. Now tell me, girl. Me, girl. How you like your tea? How you like your tea? You know it's sugar free. Hey friends, how you doing? How you living? What's good? What's up? (laughs) You good? Good, good. And welcome to another episode of the Sugar Free Podcast. I'm so excited to be here this week. I'm so excited to be back. There's so much good stuff going on. We got our last week of school coming up. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I have survived (laughs) my first year. My first entire full school year as a full-time professor. (laughs) Claps for me, friends. Claps for me, claps for me, claps for me. Super excited about that. And then I'm also excited because I decided... What I decided, friends, is that I I needed a space. And this is our safe space. To be 100% sugar-free. And to say my piece real quick is I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it beneficial, but I'm going to keep it brief. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. So anyways, I know that we did a bonus episode this week on alopecia. And it was really important for me to put that out to educate generally people about what alopecia is in light of the whole Will Smith and Chris Rock scandal. And so... I know I was really hesitant at first to say anything, and I'm sure we have beat this horse to death, but I felt like I needed to express my piece really quickly because I have really been avoiding saying anything on the internet or engaging with people online just because I don't want to get into any back and forth with people about what they think or how they feel about this specific scenario. But more disturbing, potentially, than the act itself for me has been the internet's response to what happened. And so one of the unfortunate side effects of the internet is that, or fortunate, right? Because now you get a a real honest feel for how people think and feel about things is that you actually, so one of the unfortunate side effects is that you actually get to see what people think and feel about things. And 
for me, that has been unfortunate in this specific circumstance because I have been utterly shocked, surprised, awed, amazed, and not in a good way at how many people have come out in defense of Will Smith's actions. <gasps> now, regardless of whether or not you believe that Chris Rock was in the wrong for what he said, I just, in my mind and in my heart, thought we would collectively agree as a society that hitting people is bad, <laughs> right? Hitting people who have not hit you is just generally bad, right? Like as a public policy, I thought that by making assaulting people illegal, we decided that unless you are in imminent danger, it is never appropriate to strike someone. And the number of people who have said Chris Rock deserved that or he should have got popped or whatever the people are saying, I'm just like, when did people start deserving physical violence for words? Like deserve is such a strong word. And I just have been, my heart has been a little bit broken because I just collectively thought that we would all be on the same page about this. And to see so many people not agreeing with the public policy that we should generally keep our hands off of people has really, really been heartbreaking. Like I've been ready to unfriend some people on social media. And these are like, People who, you know, have never necessarily grown up or experienced any type of physical violence themselves, right? Like these are doctors, lawyers, engineers, like educated people who are living very much so middle class, upper middle class lives and grew up that way. They didn't grow up in no war zones or anything like that. Like, but still saying these things and feeling this way. And I've just been really shocked and surprised. I've been really shocked and surprised and disappointed. So that's my piece about that part. The other part of the story that I feel like has not been discussed enough was Jada's reaction to the whole thing. Jada's reaction to Will Smith's actions suggested to me that she was not shocked or surprised by this type of behavior from her husband and that probably quite the opposite she's very used to seeing will behave in this way or very used to this kinds of displays of aggression generally and it just seemed very contrary to the person that we have come to know and love and revere on the Red Table Talk, who is always talking about healing and communicating um, with words. I know for me, if my man had hopped up out of his seat, I would have been so shocked and a little appalled that he got up, slapped this man. Like the fact that Jada just didn't even flinch, okay? She didn't even flinch. She didn't move out of her seat. It was not shocking to her at all. It, she just unwavering, unflinching was very telling to me about the types of behaviors that she is accustomed to in general and or accustomed to seeing from her husband. And so I don't know what's going on with those people's lives. I don't know them people, but just in my observations, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow 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 all I can say is that I'm definitely going to be a little bit more skeptical about taking my healing advice from the Smith family and I can tell you I'm a huge fan of the Red Table Talk I've watched it since its inception and I felt like there has been a lot of great advice given on that show but at this point I'm gonna have to take it with a grain of salt okay okay all right, that's all I wanted to say about that. I just felt like this was a safe place to say it where ain't nobody going to be trying to argue with me about it. I don't want to argue with anybody about it. I just wanted to have an opportunity to say my piece. So I've said it. I'm done. Now let's move on. 
so where are we moving on to? So today, friends, today we're getting into a really good topic, a topic that we all need. We are getting into how to gussy up. Yes, I said gussy. I know that's right. How to gussy up these resumes so that we can get these new jobs in the 99 and the 2000s. <laughs> so this week we are getting into making career moves part three with special guest Miss Charnay Hayes who is going to be talking to us about how we can get these resumes together so through parts one and parts two of the making career move series we have explored the fact that people are leaving their jobs in droves that is no secret and so we just want to give y'all the tools so that you can be empowered to leave your trash job too okay we don't have to stay in 2022 it's time to go it's time to go and if it's time to go, it's time to get this resume together. So y'all ready? Good. Good. Let's welcome Charnay. Hey, girl. Who is the certified, undefeated resume addict, CEO and founder of the Resume Addict, Charnay. Welcome to the tea party. Help me and welcome me, Charnay, friends. Clap for her, clap for her, clap for her. <laughs> Now tell the good people who you are and what you do. All right. So um, I'm Sharnae, CEO and owner of Resume Addict. For the past six years, I've written about 4,000 resumes. So um, I hopefully have seen it all at this point. I started Resume Addict on a side hustle. It was something that I did just for family and friends. I still had my nine to five corporate job. And um, it just seemed like more and more people kept asking me to do a resume. So I created a website, started acting like a business while I still had my side hustle. Um, and in 2020, I got laid off from my job because of the pandemic. And I said, you know what? More people are going to be in my shoes. Let me see what happens. And at the time, I had maybe like 5,000 followers. And I'm at about 37K on Instagram and about 13K on TikTok. So we climbing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Go so girl. I, I've been full time since 2020 um, in the summer of 2020. And um, I just love what I do. I love people of color getting the opportunities without their name mattering on paper. Um, as me being someone who has an ethnic name, I thought it was important to make sure that that doesn't matter when a hiring manager is looking at the resume. So um, helping people of color get the opportunities that they, de they deserve is why I do what I do. I love that. And I love that your business has flourished in the midst of a pandemic and everything else going on you go girl yeah, it, 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 I was scared I won't lie like not having that secure paycheck all the time I was like what am I doing I got kids you know I got stuff to do but it worked out and I, I, in hindsight I'm like what took me so long to get there I feel you. So before you got laid off from your former job, were you in HR or some type of field that, yeah. Yeah, that uh, complemented your resume coaching business? Yeah. So I landed in recruiting. I went to school for um, PR and marketing. I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I needed a job when I graduated and I saw a recruiting coordinator. I'd be going to career fairs and I'm like, well, that's kind of marketing, right? Um, had no idea that recruiting was a skill set that HR needed. And it was basically the start of my career from that point. So 10 years, fast forward, I was a senior recruiter. That was my last corporate role and really leading the talent acquisition program that they had for that company. So I have 10 years of recruiting experience in multiple industries, from sales to executive level, whatever it is, I've seen it either in the recruiting side or resume writing. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen a lot of resumes. Oh, <laughs> too many, too many. <laughs> well, that's why I'm so glad that we have you here today to talk about this topic, which is all the information, the tips, the tricks, the tools, the resources that we need to step up our resume games in 2022. And so one thing that I feel like people 
um, miss sometimes is that they think that because they've used a resume to get a job before that they know what should be in a resume and what it should look like. But just because your resume was successful five years ago doesn't mean right that you are observing all the new rules because I feel like it changes every every year, every week, every month. Mm-hmm. Especially it, with the pandemic, it changed. I feel like that was kind of what shifted how resumes should be done. Okay, we got we got to get into that then as well. And so, on top of that, um, even pre-pandemic, millennials for years, and we're both millennials have had the reputation of being job hoppers, right? And so they have defined job hopping as moving from your job every two to four years um, for greener pastures. And whether you've defined a greener pasture as a job that has more money, uh, greater promotional opportunity, increased responsibility, whatever that is, people are now leaving their jobs every two to four years for growth. and mobility. And so according to the Census Bureau, it's not just millennials that are getting in the job hopping game, like you said, post pandemic or midst of pandemic. It's hard to tell at this point whether we post or in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) And so for where we are right now in the pandemic, the average American worker, um, not just the average millennial, that means the average American worker, including all demographics of working individuals are leaving their jobs every four years. Mm. And 38 million people left their jobs in 2021. That's a lot of people. (laughs) They they realize what they didn't want to do anymore. You know, that was the major thing for us is always what's in it for me. That's the millennial vibe is what can we get out of this? And if we're not being served in one way or another, we're going to go. Absolutely. Not to mention the fact that to your point about your personal journey and story is that a lot of people lost their jobs. And so once the job has been lost, I feel like that provides an opportunity for you to reimagine what your life could look like. I know when I lost my job years ago, it was terrifying. (laughs) Like you don't know what's going to happen, but it also provided me with an opportunity to reevaluate what I wanted to do without feeling judged because the reality for me was I hated my job at that time. And I had a little box. I called it my I'm up out of here box. Like, right. Like it just, just somebody had to just say one crazy thing to me that day. And I was, filling the box that I was leaving. And so I really hated being in that job, but I felt so much pressure to stay. Like, what are people going to say about me? Can I leave a job without something else lined up? Can I afford to do that financially? Is my family going to support that? And so I stayed at a job that I really didn't want to be at. And when they fired me, it was like, dang, I don't have that paycheck, but now I also have an out. Right. I can save face and I can have a respectable out without filling my box, without nothing else lined up. And I think that the pandemic opened up similar opportunities for lots of people. It's like if I have an out for my job that I can take with little to no judgment and an unemployment check, what would I do with my day? Uh Uh (laughs) Yeah. And so hopefully that led a lot of people to you to tidy up their resumes. So let's get into this nuts and bolts of resume writing, because this is what the people came for. Okay. (laughs) So I like to provide people with definition so that we can level set and all understand. So break down for us what the purpose is of a resume. Mm. Mm. The purpose is to make sure that your qualifications are aligning with what they're asking for on the requirements. Matching the job description as much as possible so that you get in the door and you can truly sell who you are in the interview. That's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is when you look at the requirements section and maybe it's overwhelming for you and you see it, but it's just a checklist of all the things that they would love to have in a candidate. So our goal 
um, is to make sure that we are matching as much as possible to that resume that they're looking for. And they read it and they say, oh, this is exactly what we need. Let me call them. Um, so when you look at the job descriptions and they say keywords like enthusiastic, collaborative, whatever those words look like, we want to mirror that onto things like the professional summary or in our cover letter or whatever that looks like. Um, so it's just a matching game. That's what resumes are for. Mm, it's like our personal marketing materials. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's a sales thing, which I hate that it's like that. The structure of interviewing is such a salesy thing, um, but that's what it is. We're selling ourselves on paper. Mm, and I find that women especially have more difficulty selling themselves, not selling other things, but selling themselves, communicating wins than our male counterparts. And so I feel like the resume is an opportunity for us to sell mm -hmm. without even having to open up their, our mouths. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. So we have our resume, which is our written sales tool. Huh? What must be in the resume in order for it to pop? Yeah. So thinking about professional summaries, I know some people don't use them anymore, but if you are mid and above, so you're not just graduating from college, you're not that new freshman, right? That's graduating. Um, you need a professional summary. It's supposed to describe what strengths you can bring to the company and what you've done in the past to prove your uh, candidacy for the role that you're applying for. Two to three sentences, so not too long, but something that really shows who you are as a person. And it goes back to that job description. What type of personality are they asking for in there? Um, and then you'll want to have an areas of expertise section. Okay, wait, before we move on, yeah. I, I, I have some follow-up questions about yeah. this professional summary. So what, like, why is that important? And I asked because I've never had one and I've seen people put things like an objective statement or what have you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm just curious as to why and then why as you get further into your career, is it more important versus when you're at the. Yeah. OK, so. When you're at the beginning stages, the most important thing is your education. Like that's what's at the top of your resume. But when you start acquiring a certain level of experience, I need to know that you have 10 plus years of law experience under your belt, right? Or whatever field it is, I need to see right away that you're qualified. Um, because as a recruiter, we skim resumes. We don't read every single bullet point. Maybe hiring managers do. But we see so many that we just need to get the key qualifications and say whether or not they fit the description. So the summary will help basically align you with what they're asking for. That's why I feel like it's important. And that's why I've seen that people get results is having that. It has to be strong. Don't get me wrong. You can't just say you're a team player and a multitasker and stuff that everybody else says. You can't say that. It has to really be unique to who you are and match the job description. Mm. Do you think that it hurts you by not having this or this is just like mm. an extra? It will hurt you if you are trying to transition careers and you don't have any experience in that field and you don't have it. We don't know your why. We don't know why you're pivoting or how your skills are transferable. Um, if your experience speaks for itself, say I'm using law because this is your background, but say you've been in law for um, around 10 years, your experience is going to speak for itself. We don't care about the professional summary at that point. Um, we're looking at why your experience aligns with our job description. So when you look at well-qualified candidates, in some regard, you do not need it. I would say more times than not, you do need it though. Mm, and so just as a recap, mm -hmm. Give us high level what needs to be in this professional summary. Yeah. So I would say you'll start with three qualities about yourself. So you can say collaborative, dedicated, adaptable professional who can do X, Y, and Z. 10 plus years of experience doing X, Y, and Z. So it's, it's, it's still short, short and sweet. You're still really sticking to what you know about what you're, what you're bringing to the table and also what you can give to them. But I think it's a mixture of what strengths you have versus how you qualify. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. And that goes at the very top, like right underneath my name. Yeah. So it's your contact info, professional summary. Mm. Okay. I just needed to flesh that out a little bit because I've heard so many different and every HR slash resume coach will have their own philosophy about things. And so yeah. I just was curious, you're, you're the, um, the first person that I've heard say that this was necessary. So I just mm-hmm. needed more information so I can know what to put in it. <laughs> Yeah. For me, I'm thinking applicant tracking system. Like what keywords can we use that are going to match you in between the areas of expertise and the professional summary? So those are the two things that I think about when I think about applicant tracking systems. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to circle back on that in a minute, (laughs) but let's get into what else should be in the resume. So we have our name, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got (laughs) You got contact info, you got the professional summary, and then you have a skill section. I like to call it areas of expertise if you are a seasoned professional, so five plus years and beyond. If you're a newer professional, you'll use core competencies. Um, These are keywords that align with the job description. Again, so we're looking at the requirements and qualifications and matching them up. I would say commonly used keywords that really stand out right now are project management. Everyone needs someone who can manage projects process improvement, strategic planning, um, time management, conflict resolution, interpersonal communication. I can go on and on, but you get the point, like the words that they find to be ideal in a candidate, whether it be soft skills or technical, how they align with that job description is what's important. So if you plan to apply for the same type of roles, say it's all attorney, 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 you don't have to keep changing those skills because they're requiring the same skills for every job. Um, But if you apply for project management here and then chef here, totally different keywords. So if you stay in the same realm, you never have to change that section. Mm, So just so I'm understanding. So if I am a mid-level creeping up into senior level um, employee or job seeker, Uh I can call this my area of expertise. And under this section is my past experiences. So the traditional, I worked at X place for X number of years, and this is what I did. I Mm. worked at this place for X number of years. That's what goes in this section, right? No. So this is just keywords. (laughs) Like this is like 10 to 15 keywords that match the job description, like your skills of what makes you a qualified candidate for this role. I wish I had a visual of this for you guys, (laughs) but it's, it's literally, um, ah, I wish I had a visual, but it's 10 to 15 keywords that match whatever the job description is asking for. So it's right above the employment history section. Gotcha. Okay. 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 So I totally messed that up in my mind, (laughs) but I think I get what you're saying. Like if, if we had to picture it, like picture it, Sicily 39. (laughs) (laughs) So we had to like, imagine in our minds, like maybe we imagine 10 bullet points Mm -hmm. and just one, one word, one word, one word, one word. Yes. Yes. So strategic planning, that's a bullet point. Interpersonal communication, that's a bullet point, you know? And usually people will make it two or three columns. So that way it's like three words per column. And it's just a a chunk on your resume that's right under your professional summary. Okay. And so that is just, is it mostly for an actual human reviewing the resume or is it more for a potential software that may be looking at the resume? Yeah. Um, so you can get the keyword matches. Yes. So this is to get past the computer. If you get fast rejections, it's because a computer did it. So usually if they have high volume candidates, especially at larger companies, they will use an applicant tracking system. Maybe they'll throw in some keywords that they're looking for. And um, your resume has to match up against so many keywords that they put in their system. Gotcha. And so if I'm finding that maybe I can accomplish getting a ton of keywords in my employment history section, do I still need the core competencies or areas of expertise section? Mm-hmm. Um, or can I omit that? Good question. So I would say still keep it because again, recruiters skim. 
they're not going to see everything that we want them to see. Um, so it's either hit or miss on whether or not they see it in the job descriptions. So we want to make sure that we have the key things in that skill section. Okay. So I, I need to know when you say a recruiter skims on average, how long are they looking at your resume? <laughs> Five, six seconds. That's it. That's it. I don't Definitely. even get a minute. No, no. So, okay. I worked at a nonprofit in my last role, maybe 300 employees worked there. I had to manually look through every single resume. We didn't have an applicant tracking system. It wasn't anything fancy. So every time I had an entry-level opening, maybe customer service or admin work, I would get about 300 candidates mm-hmm. and I'm not looking through all of them. I'm going to look at the ones who applied first. And out of those, maybe out of the hundred, we'll pick some, but the earlier, the better for sure. But I say that to say, um, if they don't have that in place where a computer is sorting for them, they're not reading. They're not, the hiring manager will be more analytical about it. They'll read and then they'll make their decision on who they want to bring in for the interview process. But yeah, it's really quick. It's really quick. Aesthetically, how clean is it? And also what content do we have on it? Mm, well, that's that's good to know because I definitely have seen situations where people who apply first, like they're already getting an interview while people are still applying. And so yep. sometimes I guess if you've seen that a particular job posting has been up for a while, is it you know worth your time to still apply or probably just they're not going to look at your resume Uh, if it's been plus 30 days they might not have found the person they wanted maybe the person declined the offer and they got to start all over again like I don't want to deter people from not applying for those older positions I just wouldn't bet money on it versus a new one you know what I mean like my husband he got a job that was posted for 30 plus days and they called mm-hmm. him like two days after he applied. So that's why I say it really just depends on where they're at internally with their search. Um, but those new ones, I would pick those over the older ones any day. Mm, that's so interesting because I always am a little wary of not only the 30 plus ones, but when I notice that a company reposts an old position, um, you know, again and again and again, I get that they're probably trying to do that to like bubble it back up to the top again and get, you know, maybe renewed interest from people applying. But I'm always like, are they serious about filling that role or are they just uh, trying to pick people's brains? And I don't know if you've seen this on LinkedIn, not to get off our resume topic, but I don't know if you've seen this on LinkedIn where people are saying that they're going through five, six, seven rounds of interviews, having to do a technical uh, interview, and then maybe having to submit a writing example or um, complete some type of project where they're submitting an entire marketing plan for this particular role. And you have to think if you've gone through 30 plus days of trying to find somebody, you know, having to post this job several times, is the company really serious about finding somebody for the role or are they just trying to cherry pick ideas from, you know, all these people? That's a whole nother subject. (laughs) I I think, um, I think internally they don't have it together if they have to do that many rounds and you're not Apple or Microsoft or any of the larger companies, because those companies look for cultural, they're looking for cultural behavioral stuff. That's why they do so many interviews. They want a certain type of person in their company, right? But if you are someone that we've never heard of and you have that many um, rounds of interviews, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know who they want and they don't know what they're doing. Those are the two things. And they're wasting candidates time, unfortunately, a lot of time. Um, I've been there. I went on four rounds of interviews. I did a PowerPoint presentation and then it was crickets. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what happened? I spent all that time and money going back and forth to these interviews, asking for time off from my other job. And they never reached out to me. And then I got an email Friday evening saying they changed the role. And I'm like, I wasted all this time when they didn't, they weren't sure what they wanted to begin with. So that's usually the case. Ooh, girl, I feel you. I had a similar situation 
for a role that I had applied for and I had interviewed for the role and they were like, we love you, but I had done two rounds of interviews. They were like, we love you, but we think we need someone with more experience. I was like, okay, fine, cool. Then they came back a couple months later and were like, oh, we still haven't filled the role. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, big head. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, But you were our favorite. Mm -hmm. And so we want to interview you again. And I'm like, but I already went through two rounds of interviews. So I said, okay, fine. So then I went through six rounds of interviews. Yes, girl. For us to get to the end of the process and then be like, well, we're still not sure about your experience. And I'm like, but then why are we here? Like, my experience has been what what I was saying. They don't know what they want. Yeah. And then they were like, initially, they were like, oh, you could stay in Atlanta. But then they were like, oh, you got to move to New York. And I'm like, I'm I'm not doing that. And like we went back and forth and all the rigmarole. And I said, forget it. I'm, I'm done. I'm not I'm not doing this. And then they came back again and we're like, we still have filled the role. <laughs> <laughs> so they were trying to find a unicorn and I was deemed the unicorn finder when I was a recruiter. <laughs> That's what the department called me. But it's because they have all these crazy requirements and they can't find who they want out of that list. And that's why I said multiple interviews, you have to be very wary. If it's not a large company, be very wary of that. Mm. Girl, the definition of wasted our time. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. For real. I was triggered. I'm sorry. Let's get <laughs> let's get back to these resumes okay so we have our name at the top then we have our professional summary then we have our core competencies or areas of expertise then we have our employment history yes yes okay so let's get into the employment history because I feel like this is the meat and potatoes Mm -hmm. how far back should we go in our employment history Okay, so it's either three to four positions if you consider yourself a job hopper or it's the last 10 years of work experience. Now, if you've been at your company for 10 plus years, you'll want to add two more positions beyond that. I usually don't recommend having more than 10 years because I don't want you to get aged on paper, right? Um, But if you've been at the same company for that amount of time, it is what it is. If you've had multiple roles, in that time frame, then you can still keep that 10 years and that's it. But if it's been the same role for 10 years, we want to know what you did before that. Um, so at that case, I would say don't go further back than more than 20 years. But if we're thinking about it from a millennial standpoint, I would say last three to four positions is, is fine. Okay. So what if I'm like earlier in my career mm-hmm. and the last 10 years of my experience also includes like internships. So I might have like six or seven roles that are encompassed in that 10 year span. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Or should I leave those off? Yeah. So internships, it depends on how long ago it was. So if it was five or plus more years, we want to keep them as mentions. You don't have to put job descriptions under them, Mm. but if they were fairly new, then you want to show what you did and why those internships match with the job that you're trying to apply for. As long as it's relevant for what you're trying to do, I do recommend keeping internships um, for about seven years after you graduate. When you get to that seven-year mark, you probably want to look at removing them um, because I'm sure you have more experience than interns at that point. So yeah. Mm. So you you said that you can keep them as let's call them honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how do you mention something without putting the job description there? And that's never something I've heard of before. Like, will companies know and understand like this is an honorable mention or do you need to create an honorable mention section or you just kind of put it there? How, how do you finesse that? Yeah. So it would be an internship section that you would put. Um, and if it's been longer than five years, you'll put it under your employment experience. But if it's fairly new, you'll put it above your employment experience. I've seen people, for example, wanting to get into the tech space and they've done tech internships, but they don't have employment experience yet. So that's when you would put the internships above that. Um, but again, back to the honorable mention. So what you would do is just list the title, the company, city, state, 
and how long you did that internship for. So maybe it was summer 2020 or whatever that looks like. Um, that's what I mean by honorable mention is that you put, you know, how long you were there and what you did, but you talk about it in the interview when you talk about job descriptions not being on your resume. You save that stuff for the interview, like, oh, in this internship, I did X, Y, and Z. Um, so I'm thinking about it from a one-page standpoint of how you can keep it one page is that you'll want to just add it as an honorable mention if needed. So our resume should not be longer than one page. It's such a tricky conversation because we think about um, getting through the applicant tracking system and the fact that your resume needs to be skimmable and, you know, we need to be able to see everything. If you have acquired over 10 years of experience and you're applying for director level and up, it's going to be two pages. You can't get around that unless you've been at the same job for 10 years, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So in that case, I would say over one page is completely fine. But senior level and under, we want to try to keep it at one. But I need that second page, Charnay. Uh -uh. (laughs) That's another thing. When you acquire so much experience, you think you do. You think you need to put every single thing on your resume. You don't. We just need, we just need a little bit, but we need the right stuff. That's the, that's the thing we run into. So when we talk about job descriptions, I want data. I want to know how you push the position forward. I want to know what made you great at the position. I don't care that you answered the phone. I want to know what else you did in that job to push it forward. So that's what you can get from a professional standpoint as a writer is helping you think through those things further. Um, Four bullet points max in most cases, four to five. Um, But yeah, it's it's really about what's going to make you stand out and different according to another candidate. If you're up against that person, what's going to make you stand out. Okay. Okay. So when we get to the experience, cause like I said, I feel like that's the meat and potatoes. If I'm yeah. only going to be able to have one page worth, then is it worth it for me to include maybe those areas of expertise and core competencies and the professional summary, if that's going to have to make me choose about what experience to include because you know they need they need all of me Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that so much and if, if I've ever had an unhappy person that worked with me it was because of that they felt like they didn't have enough information on there and again they're not reading it that's the that's the hard part about looking at it from a different lens is what is the recruiter going to read What do they need to see that you're qualified to do versus what can you just say in an interview? What's, you know, how can you fill the gap between the two? So to answer your question, I still think the professional summary and areas of expertise are very, very important for applicant tracking system purposes. Um, Condensing is very hard for a lot of people. So if you feel like it's hard to get it down to one page, you are not alone. But think about what's not necessary. Think about it in that way. What can I, and that might mean stepping away from your resume and coming back to it, but think about what you don't need to say on paper. Maybe move it to your cover letter. Okay. We we definitely, I definitely want to ask more about cover letters too in a little bit, but I want to finish getting through all the necessary parts of this resume. So we got our areas of expertise now, and we have added our, um, experience. Is there anything else that we need to know about making sure that experience bucket is top notch? What about those start and end dates? Like, Mm -hmm. do we need them there? And do they like need to match up with our LinkedIn? Because I know sometimes (laughs) listen, and it's gonna lead right into my next question. You know, people be like maybe fudging a few months Mm -hmm. to cover a gap or two. Mm -hmm. Can we do that? Oh, good question. Yeah. So (laughs) if we've if we're thinking about it from a millennial standpoint, maybe we were at one job for one year, we got another job for two years. I'm just putting the year. I'm not going to put the months because if they're asking for that information, they'll do so on an employment application. That's where you got to be truthful about the months, you know, the timeframes and stuff like that. But on your resume, if you haven't been there that long, you can just put the year. I put 2020, you know, if they've been at the job for six months, I'll just put the year. Mm -hmm. Um, And same thing for two years, 2018 to 2020, something like that. Um, 
if you have been at a company where there were multiple changes in your titles and roles, we'll want to understand when that happened and when that came into effect. So that way I would say put the month and year. Um, So December 2015 to December 2020, you know, something like that. Gotcha. So how do you recommend we denote that? Let's say, like you said, if we change a role or get a promotion, do we just include our promotional title or do we have to put, oh, well, I only been in this role for two months and then the rest of 10 years I was a secretary. Like, do we have to say that or can we just say all 10 years senior director? No, we can't say that because <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could. They, they want to know that your experience matches up with the job description so they can give you the salary in a fair way. So if you say you have 10 years of director level experience, they're going to pay you according to that. But if it catches up with you later, then you're in trouble. Right. Mm. So in that regard, we do have to be truthful. Um, If I wasn't a recruiter and I didn't know that, I would say, yes, absolutely. (laughs) But but, um, yeah, we'll want to talk about the most recent job on your resume and then talk about that you were promoted from X, Y and Z in order to get there. Like you're focusing on your most recent title, but you are kind of briefly saying that you did X, Y, and Z prior to that. Okay. Well, this I feel like leads perfectly into the question that everybody wants to know. Can we lie on the resume? (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly, honestly, this was not something I ever thought about because you never know what other people are doing until one day me and my friend were sitting down and we were applying to jobs together, like in the same room, but to different, you know what I mean? To different opportunities, but just like kicking it, having a job application fest. And I was like, oh girl, let me see your resume. And I was like, well, wait you ain't do this. <laughs> and she was like, it's totally okay. And I'm like, is it though? Like, can we do that? And I, I didn't realize that was something that people were doing, but yeah. I think people might be fudging here and there a couple of dates and experience here or there. And is it okay? It's not. Unfortunately, it's not. We can't, we can't. This one client that I had, she had a senior level title on one and a director level title on another. And I said, girl, what's your official title? That's what we need to go with. <laughs> because when I think about background checks, they do it electronically. They're not calling anybody anymore. And electronically, they're going to show your most recent title that you had at that company. So if it doesn't match up with what's on your resume, um, they're going to say, hey, this doesn't align. The same thing with time frame. Like if you're off a couple months, that's fine. But if it's a few years, we don't want to do that. We cannot lie about that stuff. It'll just, um, it'll embarrass you at the end of the day. If they catch up with it and they figure it out, it's just time wasted on everybody's part. So the long answer to that is no. But what about, okay, so what about the um, the actual bullet point? like (laughs) there's so many ways like (laughs) so many ways to enhance and improve like do whatever you have to do in that regard to show that you are qualified but you have to be able to speak to that in the interview if you put a certain software program on your resume you better be able to say what it can do so if you have um, the ability to do all the research you need to do and you feel confident with what you're describing to them, go for it. But title and start and end date, those are the two things I don't play with. Gotcha. Okay, so this is uh, random, but along the same lines. Let's say I worked for a solo person, mm-hmm. a sole, sole proprietor, mm-hmm. single member LLC, and I was maybe contracted to do, let's say their social media. Mm-hmm. And I want to list that on my resume. I didn't maybe have no title, but I want to say I'm the director because I was directing. <laughs> it was me. I was doing all the social the media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say that? Um, smaller businesses. I think you have more flexibility. I'm gonna leave that to y'all though. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm professionally, I'm going to say, keep it as honest as possible. But for startups, I do think you have more leverage if you think about it from that way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not that I am encouraging or trying to finesse, right? I just, I want to, you know, get, make sure people know and understand where the line is, because I feel like as I've gotten older in my career, I've gotten better at advocating for myself. I've gotten better at speaking up for myself. I've gotten better at promoting myself because I know where the line is. And right. I think that a lot of times people don't advocate for themselves. They don't because they, they're they afraid that they're going to push the boundary too far. And right. so I just want to be clear about what the boundaries are, what we can and can't do, because you really don't know what other people are doing. Not that it matters, but it's like if, if this is if everyone is doing it, not to say that just because everyone else is lying that you should lie too. But if it's generally held that this is an acceptable way for you to communicate certain things on your resume, maybe you should consider, right? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Mm-mm. <laughs> Keep, keep, just try to keep it honest. The right position is going to come to you no matter what, you know, and it's going to come easy. That's the nice thing about it is that everything that's meant for you is going to happen organically and you're not going to have to fight hard for it. So um, keep it keep it honest as much as possible. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so I do have one more question about this specifically. So you had mentioned that the applicant tracking system is going to be looking at your last job title to verify for your background check employment purposes. So where did that, where does that system get that information from? Like, your it'll does it like contact your previous employers or is there some kind of database of every employee in America and what job title they had like how does the applicant system that they use for background checks like where does it get, pull information from to know what your previous job title was and all that yeah, so two different systems are happening. The applicant tracking system is just to make sure that they have all of the applicants in one place as they're applying. Um, it spreads out their jobs to all of the job boards in one place. So the applicant tracking system is totally different from the background check system or company that they use. And the company that they use typically um, will electronically reach out to whatever company um, they said that they work for Sometimes they'll have representatives that call that company to confirm, and then the representative inputs that information into the system for us to see. So we're not directly seeing or talking to the employer. We're hiring someone else to do that for us. So some live person contacted them to get the information, um, but we didn't have to do it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I was, cause you had said that they weren't going to be doing the contacting, but I'm like, wait, is there some database somewhere sitting yeah, around? It's, it's they outsource pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that we need to hack into after we hack into <laughs> Sally. <Bay. laughs> uh, if only. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to figure this all out as we kind of wrap up what belongs in the resume. So my final question about what does or doesn't belong on the resume, do we need to list references? Heavens no. Oh my God. <laughs> no. Um, you know, they're not even checking anymore. If I'm being honest, like if you think about academic world, they're checking, hospitals, they're checking, traditional industries, they're still checking, but um, it's so biased. You're not going to give a bad reference for one, you know, unless they're asking for supervisors, it's pointless. So I would say eight times out of 10, they're not checking like they used to. And we don't want to expose information from other people on their on our resume, and they might not even get to that stage of where they're checking. So if they're going to check, they'll ask you for those references. No point in having it on your resume. Um, it just takes up time and space, really, on paper. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. I hate references because I, yeah. don't, I don't trust people like that. Is that awful to say? Like, no. you know. Oh, I'm going to say, and I don't know. I just, I don't like that whole, the whole process of checking references. 
same. I agree. You don't know what people are going to say. And I've had situations where I felt like somebody would emphatically, you know, advocate and recommend me. And then, you know, they go behind my back saying some stuff that I wouldn't have wanted them to say. And I'm like, well, I wish you had told me because I would have not only left you off as a reference, I would have cut you out of my life a long time ago. A long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need these kinds of friends. Yeah. It's, it's just a waste of time for a lot of people now. They don't do it. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. This has been so, so much good information, so much good information. So as we conclude, cause we're getting to the end final question, uh, before we get into how we can find you, how we can work with you. So one thing we didn't talk about in the actual, content substantive content portion of the resume like I have sections on my resume for like awards and community service is that something that should be included in the resume or should we think about putting those things on a cover letter Mm, so cover letter if you cannot fit it onto your resume especially community involvement that would be the first thing that I would say should go unless you plan to apply for roles or at companies that really focus on giving back to the community that won't be a value add for you so remove it if you feel like it's not aligning with your career path um, and then add it onto your LinkedIn profile or your cover letter Like, where can you add this information? Think of it that way. So I would say awards would trump um, community involvement. Okay. They don't Mm want to know that I walk dogs on the Mm -hmm. weekend. Mm -hmm. They don't care. (laughs) (laughs) They don't care. (laughs) But that's good to know, especially because if I have to keep my resume down to one page, like, that yes. really is it doesn't leave a lot of space for you know that award that I won in college that was really important to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and that's another thing if you didn't get the award like recently so within the past three to four years think about taking it off mm. Yeah. One one last thing about the resume. Okay. (laughs) So we also did not talk a bunch about education. And so I know that having the education portion is important. Do you put it at the top or the bottom? Uh, More times than not, I would say top, especially if you most recently in the past five to 10 years gotten your master's degree, bachelor's degree. We want to see that information right away. Um, if it's been over 10 years, remove the graduation date. We don't need to know that information. Um, it'll come up in background check anyway. So there's no need in putting it on your resume. If you are a new graduate, put it on your resume. So 2021, brand new. We need to see that you just graduated. That explains why you're applying for this type of role. Um, so yeah, any, any time past 10 years, remove it. Okay, GPA include or no? Yes. Um, if it's above 3.5, include it. If it's lower than that and you didn't do good in school, don't put it on there. What? I thought it was above a 3.0. No, 3.5. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 3.5 is really high. Yeah, that's the point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say that because in law school, wasn't a whole lot of people running around with the 3.5. I didn't have a 3.5 in law school. I had above a 3.0, but I felt like I did pretty well. I definitely wasn't graduating with honors or anything, but especially for like graduate programs and not all because yeah. not all master's programs, not many master's programs have the types of rigor that you would experience in law school, but it, hardly nobody can get no 3.5 in law school. That's the wow factor about it. You know, if you accomplish that, like we're looking at accomplishments from a standpoint of what can we show on paper? That's amazing. So if it's not that GPA, what else did you do? What else can we really highlight about yourself? in your job descriptions, um, whether your status of when you graduate, like I'm really thinking about what I would want to see if I'm looking at a ton of different resumes. And if everybody got 3.0, it's not a wow factor. But at least you didn't get a 2.5. Girl. (laughs) Mm. If I see a 2.5 on the resume, I don't know. It's like, why did you put that? 
<laughs> but I do get your point, you know, if it's something that um, nobody was really doing and 3.0 was the norm, um, I just don't know if I want to see it. Dang. Yeah. That hurts my feeling. I'm putting mine on there anyway. I, earn, I work hard for that, okay? I know. <laughs> but the education is enough. The fact that you finished and the fact that you have acquired experience on top of that, um, you do have a lot of great things that you've done. So if it's not GPA, it's something else. No, but I still work hard for that little 3.1 and I'm going to put it on there. I hear you. <laughs> and you can just be mad at me about it afterwards. <laughs> And nine times out of 10, we don't even see it. Nine times out of 10, when I go back to skimming resumes, you know, that's something the hiring manager would love to see. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay. All right. All right. So we can have a separate resume for the general application. Then when like, maybe we actually go in for an interview. Mm, Okay. So the process itself, the applicant tracking system gathers that resume for, for all of us in the HR department. And that's what we give to the manager. So give the best version. Don't have two separate ones because they might say, oh, well, we didn't get this one in HR. You don't want that to backfire. So if you want to have your GPA, your (laughs) (laughs) 3.1. Let me keep it. Do that. Yeah, do that. But make sure that it's consistent because when they're asking questions in the interview and hopefully we'll do another um, session about that. But I will say that that's the stuff that they'll talk about in the interview. Okay, of course you can come back and we can talk about interviews. (laughs) This has been fantastic. So if we want to work with you, the resume addict, where can we find you? What services do you offer? Um, And how do we work with you? Yeah, so you can visit resumeaddict.com for all of the services that I offer, anything from resume revamps to those cover letters to the LinkedIn profile revamps. I also offer career coaching and interview development sessions as well. With all of the experience that I've acquired over the years, I will definitely say that I can help you secure the role from start to finish. Um, You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. It's all at resumeaddict. So yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Any final words of advice? Be yourself. Every step of the process, be yourself. Be true to who you are. Don't step outside of anyone other than who you are, especially when you start interviewing. But definitely stay true to who you are and do not lie on your resume. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, 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 fine. We're not going to lie. We're going to tell the truth. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, so before we let you go, we have to get into our sugar-free quickies. So sugar-free quickies is a series of either or questions and you have to choose one or the other. You cannot choose none or both. All right. All right. Quickly, what's more important to have in your job search? An updated resume or an updated LinkedIn profile? Resume. Okay. 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 If I have a limited room on my resume, what should I cut first? My community service or my areas of expertise? Community service. Dang. Why? Why am I my community service? <laughs> uh, areas of expertise is like water. Like you need it. It's okay. there's no negotiable. Yeah. Okay. 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 For you personally, nine to five or entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship all the way. Really? Oh yeah. Since I was 20, you know, those embarrassing Facebook memories from when you were like younger and you're like, why did I say that? So I was reading through that and it's been in me since, um, since I was in my early twenties of wanting to work for myself And I just love the freedom of it. And having two little ones kind of adds to the factor as well. But it's it's nothing like it. You know, I love working 14 hours a day for myself. I couldn't do it for anybody else. I love that. I love that. No judgment for me either or. I feel like it's such a personal choice. But I love that for you. Okay. For a job interview, are you wearing a traditional Navy suit or fun and flirty blouse and pencil skirt? 
Mm, blouse and pencil skirt for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely virtually too. Like the top half is so important. So yeah. you guys remember that the top half and how you're presenting yourself is all that matters if you're doing a virtual interview. True. But do you think that people are looking for though the suit or no? Mm-mm, not anymore. Mm-mm. That's good to know. Okay. Final one. Would you prefer to work from home or in the office? Work from home. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of pointless to work in the office. I get the camaraderie of it, but I don't personally, I don't enjoy it. Well, I think that depending on the culture of your office, you might feel more welcome at home. <laughs> yeah. I agree. In the office. So I'm team work from home too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. This has been such an incredible conversation. Make sure you guys go follow Charnay on Instagram. Make sure you get her services because we need to get our resumes together. So basically what Charnay told me today is that I got a lot of work to do on my resume. Right. <laughs> but really, my prayer for us, friends, not just me, all of us is that we land those jobs where there is no resume, no application or interview required. Right. Those exclusive high net worth life changing interviews where one phone call can just change your whole life. That's yeah. the type of role that I'm hoping for us in 2022. I really I just love that for us, friends. Right. That's what we all need. <laughs> but until then, we just gonna have to take better notes on Charnay's advice and get these resumes together. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for tuning in this week for another episode of the Sugar Free Podcast. Be sure to check back in next week for another fantastic episode, plenty of real talk, and of course, more of the most exquisite tea that's 100% sugar free. Woo chow. Mm-hmm. What a show. We shared some good old tea today, didn't we, friend? Thank you for your presence. I truly enjoyed you at the tea party. And we appreciate you sipping on some sugar-free tea. With me, your host, Sid Mack. Until next time, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Sugar Free Podcast or at Sugar Free Pod. You can also visit our website at www.sugarfreepodcast.com. See you again soon, friends. And be sure to keep the tea party going, a With plenty of tea that's 100% sugar-free. Meet small business owner, Mackenzie Nicole. Mackenzie's business is growing and she needs forms and templates to legally protect her business from clients, partners, and employees. But she's low on cash and needs to find forms and templates that are legally binding and comprehensive, yet affordable. Not knowing where to find such forms and templates, Mackenzie was stressed until she found Formally Forms, the one-stop DIY legal shop for small business owners, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs. All Formally Forms are affordable, easy to use, and expertly drafted by a licensed business attorney and reviewed by a law professor. So what are you waiting for? Be like Mackenzie and get your Formally Form or template today.